You are now listening to Homegirls Unite. Please do not listen to this podcast whilst cooking, cleaning or doing any childcare related activities. Sit back and enjoy your life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I think like, it's been a week since my yeah. Chloe Ting challenge. <laughs> I've been doing it for a week now, yeah? Yeah. And I just wanted to up- update you guys about what's going on. And you know what? I will, I'm going to have to give it to her. The girl it's knows sick. her thing, right? It's so sick. I did. So you do four days and then you're supposed to rest like Mm -hmm. a full day's rest and then you start again so I had my break on Wednesday and Mm -hmm. let me tell you I felt so shit when I had my break like I wasn't sleeping I was eating rubbish I just wasn't functioning and I think Mm -hmm. that's because I stopped exercising and Mm -hmm. I feel so good in my body (laughs) I mean <laughs> my nyash is doing hmm. <laughs> I'm getting a uh, you know here and there. Um you know what anyone that wants to try it, I would 100% recommend it and I've been doing it with like I've been eating good. I've been drinking more water. I mean I always drank water but I've been drinking more water. This girl drinks like 4 liters. Yeah, it's not good for my toilet run into the toilet every like 20 minutes and it's so hard to keep wood do when oh my that much water because <laughs> it's constantly washing Get ready to pray. Whole every other minute but yeah that's my week's update well done Yasin I'm proud Thank have you me. been taking pictures well I took a before picture yeah and I will I feel like it's been a week there's not really that much to show but mm-hmm. I, I, You'd be surprised, you know. To, to be honest, I want to do it till my birthday, so till okay. September, and then I can start. Like, I have a lot of things that I want to do by my birthday, like grow my hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's growing though. Remember, Look cute. You know, you know, it's actually growing. It's I don't growing. know why it is growing. I want to do braids for my birthday, but it's really hard to maintain my hair because um, hair, I'm so used to being bald. So um, we'll see. Anyway, how's your week been? It's been good. Just been working, man. It's just been a lot, a lot of work. And it's um, much money. Mate, I, this is the first story that I pitched that they were like, yeah, let's do it. So I like, well done. Ran that one. It was, it was fun. First Thank you. Stories. Huh? I said first of many stories. Inshallah, man, because it was, it was good. So this one, it came out today actually um i'll send you a link okay um, looking at statues as a form of media and like, oh, wow. why it's so significant <laughs> removing the statues so it was it was great it was actually i really enjoyed it so but i'm on the lead again next week so oh. i kind of piss myself you know just trying to enjoy the weekend you know, you know? is that okay mama <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad i found that meme again <laughs> is that the one you sent me yeah. Can I can I have some, neck, some chicken balls and some neck bone mamas? That okay, mom? <laughs> that's enough. That's, really, that's enough that's for you. That's, you're you're finished. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, when I tell you, when I tell you what we're about to tell you is that we have a guest, Angela. 
Hey y'all. Right. Let me just let the girl introduce herself because I'm too excited to do it. <laughs> oh, right. So disclaimer, if my internet goes, yeah, it's not my fault. I'm trying my best. So hold, hold tight. Home girls unite. Um, yes, my name is Angela. Um, I am a 20 something development practitioner um and i am i guess because this is eldest daughters i am the eldest daughter of an eldest daughter um eldest of three girls between my mom and my dad is that a, would that yeah. suffice that, that was good thank you um so we basically we'll do a quick um update on how we met Angela um basically we so you guys know that we all met on the Toezeshi Fellowship and Angela was at Forward at the time and that's how um we met her so basically she was running the whole weekend she did everything for us and it was the most amazing was it five to seven days of my life anyway and Angela has um, basically been like our little big sister. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, yes, basically, I've been like, really excited to have you on here because you, like, you've been doing amazing things, like especially your work with women and gender inequality. And um, you're currently working... Um, abroad and that's kind of what we wanted to talk to you about and how the role of being an eldest daughter and what made you choose the path you went into career-wise etc and yeah so, yeah basically um we so you moved to nigeria has it yeah, been, has it been a year yet no it hasn't been a year yet it's been nine months so i could have had a heat by now <laughs> no, it's been nine months. Um, it'll be here in September. Okay, because um, I remember when we got the message in the group chat that oh, she's leaving, mate. The way she dropped that as well. Yeah, we was like, our lives, and then the next thing we knew, Angela's leaving forward. I'm not gonna lie. I, I still remember that day I was on the bus, and I had like small, small tears in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was no, it was like, emotional. I was like, she's going on to better things. That's what you have to think about. <laughs> no, it was emotional. Obviously, Forward was home. It still yeah. is home. So, yeah, talk us through um, basically what what made you choose to move out um, and how was that decision, like, as the eldest daughter and coming to your parents with that decision? How did they take it? Um, where you gonna go regardless? And um, yeah, basically, how is it? Yeah, I think to contextualize it in you know within this uh, like lens of being the eldest daughter, um, I guess I can just start with how my relationship has been or my position has been in the family. And um, so, like I said, eldest of three girls. I guess I really got to test drive 
everything. And it's so funny that you said you, you guys described me as your little big sister, because I feel like my middle sister actually is my big sister in many ways. And how she really anchors both uh, me and, and my baby sister. Um, but so it was, it wasn't our, my position as the elder sister perhaps isn't, you know, as the same as everyone else's. Um, I feel like I was very much allowed to, um, to test drive anything I wanted to. Um, I guess I kind of crawled so that my sisters could run. Um, but having said that, I definitely wasn't the first to move abroad. So my middle sister um, actually lived in Spain for a year. So my parents were, I think, sort of um, sensitized to the idea of us moving and um, moving abroad. And I suppose it's something that they all they always kind of knew I wanted to do. So have, being like an immigrant eldest daughter, um, I feel, I've always found that Britain is my home, but ultimately I know that I always wanted to, to, to go back home. So to work in Kenya specifically um, and to travel the world. And I think our parents, namely my dad, really nurtured this interest in, in working abroad, in experiencing different cultures. So when it came to telling them that, you know, I got the role in Nigeria, I think um, they were obviously excited. I remember, I actually remember when I, when I showed my dad the email, he happened to, to be in the UK at the time because my dad lives and works in Kenya, but I showed him and he was so, 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 so happy and so supportive. Um, just seeing me taking, I guess, that that next leap in my career and that him being reassured that you know um I, i've got my life together i guess um but i think the, their main concern was the different culture the diff the, the culture clash that i would perhaps experience even though you know i'm a child of the diaspora and living in the uk you're you know, I feel like I practically grew up with Nigerians, um, but they were very, I think, concerned with the culture difference between West Africa and East Africa. And perhaps my mom is more concerned. Um, and I wouldn't even say my mom, let me not make this like a gender thing. I would say my whole family, even my dad, they're more concerned that I'm approaching this quote unquote age of um, marriage and how, how am I going to settle in Nigeria? Um, can I survive in Nigeria? Do I know anyone in Nigeria? That kind of thing. So I think they're just more scared that <laughs> I'll end up staying here and not, not coming back. But I, I feel like to answer your question, it wasn't too difficult to come to them with that. They, they, I had already tried previously um, different opportunities in different countries um, and wasn't successful. So I think they, they already were warming up to this idea that actually she, she's going to move abroad. Um, but they, they, they put a lot of trust in me. Um, and I feel like in as much as I had my obstinate years, um, generally they, they look at me as someone who's responsible. <laughs> Psych. Um, so they, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately they were, they were okay with the move yeah amazing thank you um so in regards to like you having the freedom of basically exploring different things <clears throat> so when you were growing up was that always the case um because like in terms of were you always trusted to for example go out and come back when you wanted i mean not like 3 a.m in the morning but 
in the sense that they let you have your freedom, they let you do what you want. Was that how your childhood was or was that when you like grew up and was an adult? Um, it's a good question. I feel like growing up, maybe when I was 14 or 15, because I went to school in Harrow, but I grew up in Brent. That was where our family home was. And we, I actually wasn't really allowed to go out as, as often as I'd like, especially because all the motives, all the parties would take place in Harrow. Um, and, you know, my, ultimately I just wasn't allowed to go out. And I think that was more of, you know, them just trying to be protective, them not really, not really understanding or, um, obviously the UK wasn't their first home. So not really understanding, you know, how maybe some things work in terms of, are you going to be safe? Just not being trusted, trusting, sorry, of the society. But um, ultimately, I think as I feel like it almost even happened overnight. I can't even pinpoint the moment where I was allowed. They were like, okay, you can go out. But I do distinctively remember my dad telling me when I was maybe like 16, he was like, Angela, like you're old enough for us to just speak to you without, um, you know, punishing you or, or, you know, penalizing you. So, so yeah, I feel like I, I was, I was afforded a lot of freedom. Um, I, th I have to say, I also did, um, I did, Cross the boundaries a lot. Um, I'm I'm like I'm born in August, and all my all my friends are so I'm like the youngest of the year. So I was always the one who had to you know borrow ID and stuff like that. So I feel like I did have to resist and push a lot, and that um, that did put a lot of stress on our relationship. I would definitely say my relationship with my mom because she was the one who was at home, where where whereas my dad was working in in Kenya. So that was stressful. Um, but I think just the more I got out there, the more I just showed them that, look, um, I know you have your ideas of my life as well, um, as well and as rightly you should as my parents, but um, I'm okay. Like, you know, God's got me. Um, I'm responsible. I haven't hurt myself. I haven't killed anyone. So, yeah. 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 I Can I? That, that whole God's got me, I'm going to start using that line. <laughs> just start talking. Like God's got me. I just I just wanted to ask, like, um, so did you always have like a a relationship where communication was quite open? Because it seems like being able to talk to them, be like, hey, you can trust me, like it's okay. Um, seems like there was already that kind of communication there. Um, but also like, do you think that being the eldest helped with that? not just the communication but in terms of them trusting you because already you've like from from like the stereotypical kind of eldest sort of view you're probably already like doing the most like looking after the younger siblings or whatever so did, did that help in that sense um um i feel like interestingly enough I, my parents shielded me and shielded my sisters from a lot of the world, a lot of what was going on in their lives as well. You know, children can be quite um, intuitive. So even if we were picking up that there may be family tensions or there may be issues with, you know, for example, we, we can't afford to go on a school trip. They never really um, exposed us to that. So I think, I think um, that, that that just became it allowed us to 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 grow if if that makes sense um just just to grow as as children and 
the older we we got, I think that's when we were able to discuss more complex things um, and to understand to understand more of what was going on at home. But I would definitely say um, from from the start, our parents, even if they couldn't um, tell us exactly what's going on, they always just said it as it is like, you know, no, you can't go out. No, you can't see that person anymore. No, you can't have have that. And in as much as we kicked up a storm, I think it was just ultimately just, 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 it's, it's, it's a hard one to say. I want to say just trusting, trusting that they had our back because not, not, I understand that not every family and relationship is like that, but as well, I think just, just seeing them come through for us in many different ways. Um, I think that helped build trust from when we were younger. Yeah. Hannah, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> you did. No, I, I get it. I did a job interview and I'm like, you are <laughs> Did I say the key terms? <laughs> no. And then, yeah, did no. I say the key terms? <laughs> no, literally. So, literally. I, I get it. Because it was just, um, I know for me, it was a similar kind of thing where mm. I don't, I don't remember when it happened, but it just happened. Like suddenly one one night it was like, oh yeah, it's cool. You can go out. For me, it did come a lot later. Like, let me not lie. lie. It was like when I was in uni and stuff. But I I, like, I get what you're saying. Um, and in terms of like, it's quite hard when you're younger thinking, okay, do you know what? They're doing this for our best interest. Um, but as you get older and you kind of deep that, okay, not everyone out there is for you and, my parents no, are actually quite, quite caring. And because I, I always used to be like, oh, why don't you trust me? And my mom used to be like, it's not you I don't trust, there's other people. Like, And I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it took me a while to deep that. No, I, I think so. I think, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think what you said, um, Hannah, just resonated with me. And it's actually um, the pins dropped. Because for me, actually, I think it was also when it came to university and in terms of them just like my mom for example I said like when can I get a boyfriend um and she would be like when you get to university um it was little responsibilities that she gave me that I was able to take on at different stages of my life that I think um enabled our non-verbal communication as well because it's interesting because when you said communication I'm thinking oh did I was like my mom growing up when, when I was growing up sorry was it like we were telling each other our deepest darkest secrets but when I deep it it's actually just um the, it was more the, the her actions the things that she and my dad would do like like I said you know um for example allow me to well, not even allowing me, making me pay my own my own phone bill. It was those little markers that I think have actually actually um, built a foundation for the communication in the relationship that we now that we now have. And in retrospect, like you say, I, I do see that actually, you no, know, Ra, you guys did you did okay, you did well, given the circumstances and given the fact that you you know the UK was was not your initial and your first home so yeah exactly yeah and and now it's now it's all good for me because I'm like living with my with my husband now and it's easy to have a house like like it's easy to to keep the house clean to do stuff because my mom already like instilled all of that in me yeah so definitely now I'm like okay 
it's calm I'm, and I'm grateful for that mm. but growing up I was a bit more resentful like why why are you yeah, definitely, definitely. Why am I always cleaning on a Friday it was like let's clean and then Saturday mornings as well and I was just like what is going on like let me just go play but I get it I get it now no definitely and I think also just maybe because traditionally um where where we come from I remember I remember telling my mum something ages ago and I think it caught her quite aback because I was like oh you know mom growing up I me and you weren't like girlfriends if you if, if that makes sense like she wasn't my girlfriend but now I consider her like my best friend and I feel like it took her back because she's probably thinking right do you know how much I've done for you and you're here telling me that me and you didn't have that girly girly friendship <laughs> that other friends having and <laughs> um, but yeah and I don't know. It, it's it's a hard one because you never really see it until you get to the other side. And because of our of, because of our the way we were, we were brought up, we're not brought up to have those kind of conversations or to have that kind of space with our parents, whereby like, you know you treat them as your quote unquote friend, and rightly so. I guess they're your parent. But I, I do feel like it's about striking a balance, and I, I'm interested to see how you know my friends, me myself as well, um, if as and when we start families how we're going to adapt adapt that to to um i don't know to support the growth of our family and of our children 100% i i totally i totally feel the same so how's it been for you now like being in nigeria not being around your family <clears throat> yeah it's a good question it's tough um i think corona obviously has just made it even more difficult um i guess because my dad since maybe like 2010 so for the last 10 years maybe even the last 12 years he's been back and forth and lived in Kenya but also um made it a point to visit us twice a year etc so I think I've already grown up with that model of being away from the home um whether that's good or uh, or bad we'll see in a few years um but ultimately it's been difficult because i did at the start of the year i did make a pact and i really wanted to be intentional with like how much time i spent back at home i really wanted to be able to travel home and see my family at least three times a year um but obviously that hasn't been possible so um especially with corona so i found that it's been challenging emotionally on my part because it's not even that we're always so much chatting to each other when we're home but you know it's just that um idea of just being around your family and being around like your siblings your parents um but though i guess being an eldest daughter abroad has changed in that where, where whereby i was at home i could you know perhaps show my support and just exist as an oldest daughter by um demonstrating acts of service and if like my mom needs me to go down to the shop like i would love doing that like if i'm going to the gym i could just say oh mom i'm passing through morrison's do you need anything this is not an endorsement by the way morrison's you're expensive uh, <laughs> but yeah so I, I could do those things i could be physically present and that's difficult now so what i've found that i've had to do or what i what has translated and it's not it's not um it's not something I hold against anyone at all, but just being having to step up more financially. And that's not because I've been asked to. Um, I just feel like 
I'm asking myself, what can I do? What can I do? Um, so I, I guess just stepping up more financially, um, supporting the family in that way and being more intentional as well to check in, in a way that I didn't when I was at university, for instance. Like I know my mom would say, oh, you only come to me when you need me to do your washing, da, 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 da. But now... Oh, you were one of them ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. The washing in uni was expensive. <laughs> so you know but but i think now i'm more like um I, I will call in even when i don't want to because you the hard thing is you are also now living your own life and in a way you have your own family like i have my housemate i have um and the people who live in my compound these are people that i see so i feel like that energy of being around people is already expended in that that regard but it's just about being very um purposeful in like calling in at home even if it's just for like two minutes just to say hi oh hey mom I was just thinking about you or hi Wendy I was just thinking about you but I would say as an eldest daughter it's difficult as well because um subconsciously when we were growing up um when my dad moved abroad I didn't realize and that my, me and my middle sister were actually just take subconsciously taking up the role of a parent for my baby sister um, I call her a baby she's definitely not a baby now but and and I remember my, my middle sister just had to be tell us off and just say look you are not her you're not her parent like we need to stop treating her as if she's our child um and I'm trying to adapt that now that I'm abroad as well because you find oftentimes that because you, you're so tired at the end of your day, so you're just calling to check in on family. So you're trying to speak about the most important things. And oftentimes what that translates into is, when are you getting a job? Uh, have you done this? Like, it turns into an interrogation um, of my sisters. And I'm really trying hard not to, to be that person because it's they don't need an extra ear telling, that, telling them that. Um, they don't need me nagging them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are some of the challenges, obviously just the distance um, and also trying not to be a parent, trying to take genuine, not, not that I'm not genuine in my interest to them, but just trying to be present, present, um, present when we're so distant. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And trying to be a sister. Exactly. <laughs> that's, what, that's what that's what went, uh, my little sister's going to tell me. She's going to be like, that's what you were trying to say. Trying to be a sister. <laughs> because in, in all of this, clearly, that's not what I've grasped. But yeah, trying to be a sister. You got there in the end. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Would you say, um, if you had to your sister... Uh, the relationship has improved since you've been out or do you think it stayed the same or has it declined since you left the house because I can imagine like going from seeing each other every day um and not being there are you like making more effort to like um keep the bond going um how's that been no, that's a good question as well, because I feel like you can still be, um, you can still see each other all the time. You can be, and you can still be absent, right? Um, but I think what being apart has done, and pardon the corniness, it's literally made me miss my sister so much more. And it's helped me reflect on our relationship. Um, it's made me think about the kind of things I would love to do with them in terms of building for the family, etc. Um, so it, I, I would say, I, if I'm not careful, 
um, I could miss out on their day-to-day stresses or day-to-day stresses and things that they're going through. So that has definitely changed, you know, not being able to come into the room and look at them and say, Ra, what's, what's up with your face? Like, what's happened? Um, because even when they call me, of course, they're just trying to filter um, what they're saying just so that they can make the most of my unsteady internet connection. But yeah, I think that's definitely something that has, has changed, not being, um, not just, just, you know, not being physically present and how much, realizing how much we've taken that for granted and how just being in the physical space of someone, how much that can convey about, um, about what they're going through, about what they're doing, their hopes, etc. So yeah, that's definitely something that's changed. Well, I'm sure you're doing great. Um, I'm trying, sweetie, I'm trying. <laughs> so one thing like I'm like absolutely love about you is like how you fight for women and um the whole gender equality. And I saw your um you did a video for your work recently that I saw online um in regards to I think correct me if I'm wrong, um women in quarantine like going through um domestic violence, gender-based violence. So I just want to um, touch upon that, like what made you want to go into this um, this industry? I don't even think industry is the right word. I, I can't think of the right word. Um, what made you want to go into that sector and um, basically work for women and like put their needs first, etc.? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it really began... Um, unknowing to me, my mom recently told me, but my, my grandma, my grandmother on her side, and I would also say on my dad's side, we were both gender advocates and they would never call themselves feminists because I feel like feminist has different connotations, um, depending on where you are. But I think just what really, um, instilled this, uh, I guess, passion for gender equality and for working on women and working on women's rights and advancing their rights was really just growing up in a home where my identity as a woman or as a girl was affirmed. And that was affirmed by my mom. So she didn't give me slack for for any, like she didn't get, let me get off anything. We were expected to be, I guess, um, excellent and to always strive to be excellent. And also that also came from my dad as well, who really instilled in me that um, just because you're a girl doesn't mean you can't, you can't, um, you can't do the things that you want to do. You can't make a difference in this world. And I think that was very interesting and powerful coming from a man who in their home traditionally um, boys are favored. And if you don't have, boys, it's a problem. So I think it really started in the home. And as I was growing up, just having an acute like, understanding or awareness that loads of girls around the world, just like me, aren't afforded the opportunities that I have simply because they're a girl. Um, and I, I don't know, I just found it extremely unjust. Um, I found um, some, you know, harmful practices or um, gender inequality or lack of access to education, being kicked out of school because, you know, you're pregnant. I've, I just find it, and I, I found it, and I still find it very, very, very unjust. Um, so I think it's that that's what really drew me to the sector, just this um, desire to, to, to work on these issues, which I felt um, I had a responsibility to work on just because, you know, you haven't experienced them. Um, 
doesn't mean that you shouldn't advocate against them. In fact, even more so, you know, you, you shouldn't just be standing, standing on the side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, so I just wanted to ask, because obviously you've done some of that work for some time in the UK. How is it? What's it like being in Nigeria and doing that kind of work? That's exactly what I wanted to ask. Look at us, twins. <laughs> twins. Um, it's, I think, oh, it's a good question. I think being... Um, on the continent and I, I actually i won't generalize because it's very different wherever you are and as we know africa is not a country so um working in nigeria on women's rights um has really i think it's really brought forward and um the harsh realities of be, of being a woman in um in some countries um you know i feel like in as much as you know, we have gender inequality in, in the UK and we have um, cases of gender-based violence, you really, really come, come across um, inequalities in the workplace in, in a very raw form. You know, it's very in your face. Um, and unfortunately, in a lot of cases, it's very normalized, right? So the most, it can be the, he the most heinous um, acts of violence are, are okay. And I think that's what really that that's been something I've had to to reckon with because it can be very overwhelming, um, and also you because it's such a huge system of it's a, it's a system that fuels this violence. Um, it can feel like oh my god, we're not doing enough. So I think that's what's um, been very striking because you you really come face to face with. Um, the, the violence, but also this feeling of sometimes powerlessness. But at the same time, oh my gosh, like working in Africa, so working in Uganda, so um, with partners in Uganda, working with partners in Tanzania, and then also working in Nigeria, you really come across some amazing grassroots movements and amazing women in power who are really striving to, to bring an end to gender-based violence. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a source of inspiration working here because you really you really get the sense that um, that people are, are really fighting for for basic human rights here to, to some extent and you're either with it or you're gone in the, on the continent. I've realised you really can't afford to pay to just do lip service. You've really got to get in and everything you do matters um whether that's lobbying someone or like a politician or whether that's amending being being part of a process of amending uh, a constitution or bill it really really matters because it translates to to real lives um and often with drastic consequences if you don't take action so yeah i hope i hope that kind of summarizes the main the main stuff i'm working on <laughs> No, you did. Oh, brilliant, man. And and I and I like how you um emphasized that obviously it's different in every country. Um and also like this idea that you don't need to be like some because I feel like a lot of the people from the diaspora, whenever they go back, it's you kind of go back with the same white savior complex as well of being like oh yeah I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna change this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that um so it's re I'm really glad that you kind of 
highlighted that there are people on the ground doing the work it's not like yeah they're just around waiting for someone to come save them and no, literally. So it's good that we need to learn from each other um rather than coming in and being like yeah i'm gonna do this and that no literally and i mean and i would say this is obviously not to say that the violence that women and girls face in the uk is is not a thing that is also very very real um i'm not sure of the stats now but two women in a week in the UK are killed um, because of acts of intimate partner violence. And with lockdown directives and social distancing measures, that's definitely increased. So it's not to say that it's um, it's any less. In fact, in some, in some cases, I always say we should really check our own home before we go out to, to, to try to fix someone else's. Um, but yeah, there's, I think it's just for me, it's been inspiring on both sides to work with people who are really driving the movement, the people who are really putting in the work, who are trying to meet with people in power, because that's that's ultimately it. You need some political will, you need some um, some will from the, the people, the puppet masters, if you like. So yeah, no, it's been very inspiring to work with some of these champions, people like you, Hannah and Yasin, who are really working on issues that are at, at the core of um, of of our existence, if that makes sense. No, thank you. Because um, the other day I was actually speaking to Adwa, and you know, <laughs> absolutely. You know what? We need to get her on the podcast because she's the most amazing woman I've ever come across, and it's just like everything that's like that's going on and one thing i loved about forward is how much they emphasized um and really focused on the whole self-care narrative because to be honest before i even came through forward doors i didn't even know what i heard self-care but i didn't really know what self-care was and it's like when you work in this um sector of um so much damage that's been done to women so much sadness so much grief it's so it's really necessary to stop sometimes and just focus on yourself and be like okay I can't pull from an empty cup and um when, when all this um um Black Lives Matter and um, protests were going on um we were having a really hard time and I just called Adjo. I was like, listen, like, girl, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> and she literally, within the first five minutes, she made me feel so good. And I felt like I could, you know, speaking to her and other women just made me feel like I can conquer anything. So how would how do you go about making sure that although you wanna help other women, etc., but also like making sure that you're fine within yourself? and having that balance? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think um, it's important, like you said, self-care is so important, especially when you're working um, in this sector. And even, I would say, even just now for, with everything that's happening with um, the, with Black Lives Matter, for everyone, because we're all like invested in this and we're all experiencing this, it's important to just take time and to know when to say no. Um, I was listening to Lady Phil, um, founder of uh, UK Black Black Pride, 
yesterday and she said something so powerful about she's a very now she's a very very busy woman but she will still turn off her phone when she needs to and she will still say no um i can't i don't want to answer that question um or i i can't do i can't deal with with this today so i think it's really about being okay with um, saying no um, and knowing your boundaries and even if it's uncomfortable just pushing for that because like you said um, and I know this is a quote we often quote at, um, at forward but self-care is an act of self-preservation um, it is an act of political warfare because when you're okay you can go into 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 the battle and, and fight well so I think things that I do, for example, um, I've really, especially during lockdown, I've really pushed myself to, to work out. And I tell myself this is not because I fancy how my body is going to look after. Um, no, actually, your body needs this. So you need to do this for yourself. Um, and yeah, just putting a bit of value on myself, my, me, myself, putting that value on myself um, is one of the ways I've been I've been coping with um with with stresses and with with doing work and also just i think for example at work you know especially i, I would say on the continent i was very nervous about like maybe calling in ill or saying i'm sorry sir i feel i feel tired this morning but i've been very lucky in that the office that i work in everyone's quite supportive and if i say oh so i'm not feeling well he'd be like oh and like literally everyone will call you up i say ah i heard you are not feeling well oh sorry sorry which I actually love. So I think it's about boundaries, knowing when you're not okay. And those are things I've been putting in place. And I've been having a cheeky bottle of wine here and there and definitely also reading a lot more and trying also not to just always be in work. So of course, I'm interested in the work of gender-based violence. And if, for example, uh, there's an interesting article that comes up on my timeline that I'm tempted to read, I'll try and read that during work hours if it's related to, to work. So just trying to not always be in that space and withdrawing as well has been helpful amazing thank you um so would you recommend like anyone that's in the in the sector would you recommend them like i'm sure you will because you don't want to come back but um like them <laughs> them accepting jobs abroad and um how did you go about um finding or getting this opportunity for anyone that's like hoping to do the same yeah, um, I would say if you're looking to um, leap out of the country, just go for it, do it, definitely go for it and do it. Um, I, for me, I, I, like I said, I had tried um, a couple opportunities, um, got to a couple interview stages and wasn't successful, but I just, I just kept trying and being, being um, confident that, you know, like, if I, if I put the work in, um, somehow there's going to be a return, right? Um, so I, I did my research. Um, I, I guess my top tips for leaping abroad, firstly, would be get go for it, do your research and get into the field in some form of capacity. I think what really helped me um, in my role, and I and now looking back, I see a lot of similarities. I see why I was picked for the job because a lot of the things that I, I did previously with Forward in the nonprofit sector, I, I'm now doing now or I'm building upon and I'm using the knowledge I gained there. So definitely I, I now work with um, local partners, national partners, and that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't um, 
been afforded the opportunity to work with partners in Tanzania and Uganda with Forward. Um, and that's not to say, I know that's it's not possible for everyone to, you know, be put out into the field. It's also very important that you check your, your motives. Why do you want to go into the sector? Uh, are you going to be harmful? Or are you going to be um, someone that's going to be useful and add, to, add value? Um, but sorry, I say all of that to say that you can get experience in the field in any way. So, Putting yourself forward for to pick for to, to pitch to other partners, for example, other international partners. If you're working in um, in an organisation that has those um, connections, you can be um, you can be liaising with partners online, especially now that we're at home and we're not necessarily travelling a lot. So I think that those experiences really gave me an eye for working um, in different cultural settings. I think that's very important. Um, being sensitive to um, different cultures and being able to work with different people um, not just in the UK but um, across the world and different people also doesn't mean someone who looks in terms of like skin colour or ethnicity is different to you. Being able to to work with men and women, disabled women um, you know other, other people, young children, whatever it is, a diverse group of people from different backgrounds. Um, and I think something that was also really helped me in getting into the space was really looking for programs and fellowships. So I would advise any um, uh, any early early career professional who's trying to get into the development space um, to, to consider fellowship programs. They're very helpful. So, for example, the United Nations Volunteers Program, um, the United Nations Junior Professional Officer Program, um, Global Health Corps, Atlas Corps. These are all fellowships that you can get into whereby you're part of a cohort of of people um, who have similar interests, but you have the backing of this organization that's going to deploy you to different areas. And I think that's been really helpful for me because if I was to just come um, to to Nigeria now and work with, you know, maybe as a standalone staff, I think I would struggle if I hadn't had that support of um, our, our field unit office. So I would definitely recommend people to look at fellowships and, and programs that can help you segue into into development. I hope you guys have a pen and paper because <laughs> I just gave you bare, <laughs> bare fellowships and internships for you to look into. So thank you so much for that. Great. No, hala. Just to like end, I want to ask a quick kind of lighter question, but what is the thing that you miss most about being home? And that can be like, F for me, whenever I go, I find that the crisps are never the same. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's always the crisps for me. I'm like, where are my Doritos? Listen, a true East African babe, loving her crisps. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Me too. So, what, what do you miss? What's your thing? Um, oh, that's that's a nice question. I think I really miss um, tra traveling. <laughs> Don't we all, Angela? Um, no, what I can say is I really miss driving. I miss just driving around, that ability to just move myself around. And that's not just to do with um, the fact that we're in lockdown. Obviously, in Nigeria, uh, they drive in an interesting way. Um, <laughs> and, and they also drive on the other side of the road. So I, I haven't, I mean, I drove once and it was quite scary. But I haven't really been able to do that. And I, I, I just miss driving. I, I miss just being in my car. I felt 
I felt really powerful just driving around. So yeah, that's something I miss about home. Um, I don't know if there's there anything else that I really miss. This is how you know I ain't coming back. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. by your hair. What kind of no? I I I think. Sorry. I said I'm gonna come and drag you by your hair if you don't wanna come home. So be ready. <laughs> no, come through. No, I think I, I would say that's definitely something. When I fantasize about being at home, it's definitely like being in the car, like playing music, like belting my lungs out. Yeah, that's what I miss. <laughs> you know, and I'm what I'm imagining, you know that scene in White Chicks where they're all in the car singing along That's <laughs> <what>. <laughs> oh god angela thank you so much for coming through and we're so happy to hear your voice and we hope like you guys enjoyed angela being here and took some good things from it for anyone that wants to go into this sector she dropped some gems, so make sure you take a note. And um, yeah, Angela, man, we miss you, but we're so happy for you that you're having the time of your life in Nigeria and hopefully we'll reunite soon, God willing. Um, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. No, guys, thank you brilliant. so much for having me. It's been such an honor. I was asked to be invited, to be honest, but thank you so, so much and thank you for what you guys are doing. Yeah, pray God no, blesses it. What you're doing as well, you're really doing amazing things for women out there. So we appreciate you and the work you're doing. And thank you. Can I just shout thank out to the you. internet? <laughs> she survived a little bit. The applause for the internet. <laughs> I was worried. I'm not oh, gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear, hear in Hannah's voice, boy. Right, guys, thank you for tuning in and yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye.